AFF on Air, the Australian Frequent Flyer podcast is boarding. Step on board for the latest news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers. Your captain, Matt Graham, now invites you to sit back, relax and enjoy the episode. G'day and welcome to episode 97 of AFF On Air. It's the 12th of November 2022. Coming up in today's episode, why Air Canada's Aeroplan Loyalty Program is one of the most underrated frequent flyer programs. I'll show you some examples of why it's valuable and a new way to earn aeroplan points in Australia. Plus, how to supercharge your flybys and everyday rewards points. But first, let's begin with a roundup of the latest Australian airline travel and loyalty program news from the past fortnight. And consumer group Choice has awarded Qantas with its annual Shonky Award for what it says are unusable flight credits, delayed flights, disappearing baggage and endless call wait times. And it described the flying kangaroo as a spirit of disappointment for letting down many of its customers. Qantas obviously disputes some of the details, but it's become clear over the last few years that Australia's air passenger protections are weak by international standards, and the recent issues have prompted choice to call for tougher laws similar to those in Europe, the United States and Canada. In the European Union, for example, where they have the EU 261 laws, airlines are legally required to compensate passengers if they cancel or significantly delay a flight at short notice for reasons that are within the airline's control. There are mandated amounts which are designated not only to act as an incentive to airlines to ensure that their operations are run reliably, but also to uh, cover additional expenses incurred by passengers as a result of their delay. The EU261 laws also set out minimum compensation amounts if a passenger is denied boarding due to overbooking, if they're downgraded to a lower cabin class, or if their baggage is lost or delayed. And there are minimum standards of treatment in the case of delays and cancellations, including clear communication to passengers and options to get rebooked onto other flights. Unfortunately, Australia has no such passenger protections. The airlines are pretty much free to do what they like, as Choice has pointed out, within the limited existing confines of the law. And all passengers can really do is vote with their feet and their wallets. The airline customer advocate is supposed to help travellers in Australia to resolve their disputes with airlines after the, uh, after the incident's already taken place. But the de facto ombudsman, in the, in the absence of a real one, has itself won a Choice Shonky Award last year for being ineffective and having no power. Choice is now collecting feedback from members of the Australian travelling public and plans to contact state and federal ministers regarding, regarding tougher regulations on the airline industry. Qatar Airways is currently running a daily Boeing 777 flight between Melbourne and Adelaide, despite the fact it cannot sell tickets to domestic passengers flying within Australia. During the month of October, these flights were operating without any passengers at all. Qatar Airways has now started selling seats on those flights for passengers who are connecting through from Doha to Adelaide via Melbourne, which they can do. But the flight timings are so awful that it's unlikely anyone's actually buying a ticket. So flight QR988 arrives in Doha, uh, in Melbourne rather from Doha at 11.20pm and then with the current schedule the same aircraft then continues from Melbourne Adelaide the next morning at 10.45 so it stops in Melbourne for more than 11 hours and it's not clear whether passengers are actually allowed to leave the airport during that time since they're, um, they're technically flying all the way through from Doha to Adelaide on the same flight. The flight makes almost no sense but there is a reason Qatar Airways is operating it. 
Under the Car and Air Services Agreement between Australia and Qatar, Qatari Airlines are only allowed to operate up to 28 weekly flights from Doha to Perth, Melbourne, Sydney and Brisbane, so the four main airports in Australia. Qatar Airways already has daily flights to all of those cities, so it's not allowed to add any more flights to those airports, but it wants to. So Qatar's found a loophole that allows them to add a second daily flight to Melbourne. The catch, though, is that the flight must continue to another secondary airport in Australia that isn't subject to the cap. So by flying from Doha to Melbourne, and then having the aircraft fly almost to Adelaide as part of on the same flight number, even if there's no passengers on board, Qatar Airways is technically able to operate that second daily flight into Melbourne, and it can sell tickets to passengers just flying between Doha and Melbourne, which is the whole point for the airline. A new air services agreement between Australia and Qatar is currently being negotiated. The Qatari government is reportedly requesting more weekly frequencies to Australia's four main airports, which would allow them to operate that second daily Melbourne flight without then having to send the plane onwards to another Australian city, even without passengers. But Qantas is trying to block Qatar's application. The Doha to Melbourne flight was originally planned to continue onwards to Canberra, but the launch of Qatar Airways flights to Canberra has been delayed now until at least March next year. The Canberra Times reported that it was because Qatar Airways had failed to reach an agreement with Swissport, the company that provides ground handling services at Canberra Airport. The number of weekly seats available between Australia and the United States is now at just 50% of pre-COVID levels, and that's a large contributing factor to the high airfares at the moment. Before COVID-19, Qantas sold around 34,000 weekly seats between Australia and the continental United States on its aircraft. Virgin Australia also operated around 13,000 seats per week using its fleet of five Boeing 777s, which it no longer has. Now, Qantas is only operating around 13,000 seats a week, which is what Virgin used to operate, and Virgin Australia is not flying from Australia to the United States at all, and that's removed a lot of capacity from the market. The big three US airlines, United, Delta and American Airlines, are all more or less back to flying the same amount of seats to and from Australia that they did before COVID, and United's just launched a new Brisbane to San Francisco route as well. By Christmas this year, the amount of capacity between Australia and the USA will be back at around 60% of pre-COVID levels, with United and Qantas both adding flights, and American Airlines upgaging to a larger aircraft, as well as Delta adding some extra flights over Christmas. But that's still a lot of seats missing from the market, which is definitely pushing up the prices still. A key reason for Qantas not having resumed more flights to the United States is a lack of spare aircraft and crew to operate them. But across the other side of the globe, Qantas's one-world partner Finnair has the opposite problem. Just a few years ago, Finland's geography was a huge strategic advantage for Finnair, a member of the One World Alliance. Its business model revolved around its ability to offer short travel times and efficient connections to those travelling between Europe and Asia via its hub in Helsinki. And in order to provide those quick travel times to Asia, it used to use trans-Siberian airspace. Unfortunately for Finnair, COVID-19 decimated demand for travel to and from Asia, and then just when demand started to pick up again, Russian and Ukrainian airspace became unavailable due to the war and the um, associated sanctions. And so Finnair's geography suddenly turned into a major disadvantage for the country's national carrier. Flight times from Helsinki to Asia are now being extended by between 15 and 40% in order to avoid Russian airspace. And the um, Helsinki to Tokyo flight, for example, is now flying over the North Pole um, in order to avoid Russian airspace, like it did back in the 1980s when it couldn't use the Soviet Union airspace. And that's leading to not only increased fuel costs, but also means that they need more aircraft to operate the same routes. <laughs> 
To remain competitive, Finnair is now reinventing its business model. Instead of flying long-haul jets to secondary cities in Japan and China, it's launched new destinations like Seattle, Dallas, Mumbai, and Doha, which are not as affected by the airspace closures. In fact, Finnair is now flying daily from not only uh, Helsinki, which will start next month, but from Copenhagen and Stockholm to Doha in codeshare partnership with Qatar Airways which is itself short on planes due to a dispute with Airbus. It's quite complicated, the industry, isn't it? Finnair has also been leasing spare jets to and, um, and cabin crew and pilots to other airlines that have needed extra capacity over the last few months, including British Airways and Eurowings Discover. But Finnair has flagged that it will need to reduce its fleet size over the coming years to remain profitable. South Korean low-cost carrier Tawai Air, I think that's how it's pronounced, it's T-apostrophe-W-A-Y Air, will be one of the two new airlines to begin operating direct Sydney to Seoul flights next month. From the 24th of December until the end of March next year, Tawai Air will launch seasonal flights four times a week between Sydney and Seoul in Chon Airport using Airbus A330s. Although Tawai Air is a low-cost carrier, it does have 12 angle flat business class seats on its A330s. Jetstar also commenced flights from Sydney to Seoul just at the start of this month, and the new Qantas service on the same route begins next month, which means that by Christmas there will be five airlines flying direct from Sydney to Seoul. Uh, That must be a new record, with the new entrants joining incumbents Korean Air and Asiana on the route. Qantas frequent flyer members can now redeem their points for economy classic flight reward seats on Bangkok Airways, a boutique airline based in Thailand. The partnership was first announced in 2019, but delayed due to COVID, according to Qantas. Business class reward seats are not available on Bangkok Airways, but you can book economy, and Bangkok Airways operates a network of short-haul flights out of Thailand using Airbus A320 and ATR-72 aircraft. Destinations served include Bangkok, Phuket, Chiang Mai, Koh Samui, Siem Reap, Da Nang, Singapore, and the Maldives. Iberia Plus, the frequent flyer program of Spanish One World airline Iberia, has changed the way members earn Avios for flights. Instead of earning based on the class of travel and distance flown, Iberia Plus members now earn Avios based on how much they spend on their ticket. British Airways Executive Club, which has the same owner as Iberia, will also make a similar change in the near future. This kind of change tends to benefit people buying expensive short-haul tickets, but unfortunately disadvantages everyone else, so it's overall probably not such a good thing. American Express has launched its latest Shop Small promotion for November 2022, but it's being run a bit differently to previous years. In the past, you could get cashback or bonus points when using your Amex card at participating small businesses in Australia. Now, you'll just go in a draw with each uh, shop at an eligible small business to win one of 10 prizes of a million American Express membership rewards points. It's a nice prize, but only 10 people are going to win, so it's not a particularly exciting offer for most people, unfortunately. And Jetstar Asia will relocate at Singapore Airport from Terminal 1 to Terminal 4 by March next year after reaching an agreement with Changi Airport Group. Once this change takes effect, which will be by the 25th of March next year at the latest, it will become unfortunately harder to connect to or from uh, flights between Jetstar Asia and most other of its partner airlines, including Qantas. It will also make it more difficult for eligible Jetstar passengers to access the Qantas lounges in Singapore before their flights, which are located in Terminal 1. 
This change was initially announced by the Changi Airport Group in July this year and was due to take effect from last month. But the Jetstar Group had apparently not yet agreed to the change when it was announced by the airport and vocally opposed it. It's not yet been decided where the Jetstar flights from Melbourne to Singapore will also switch from Terminal 1 to Terminal 4. The change that's already been announced only affects Jetstar Asia, which is a different airline to Jetstar, um, Jetstar Asia being based in Singapore and Jetstar Airways based in Australia. That's what's making news on australianfrequentflyer.com.au this fortnight. You can stay up to date between podcasts by subscribing to the Australian Frequent Flyer Gazette to get the latest Frequent Flyer news straight to your inbox for free every Monday and Thursday morning. Air Canada's aeroplan program is one that flies under the radar for most Australians, but it's perhaps one that deserves a lot more attention because, quite frankly, it's bloody brilliant. Aeroplan was redesigned and relaunched in 2020 by people who are themselves aviation geeks and avid frequent flyers. They get what motivates frequent flyers because they are frequent flyers, and they understand what makes a program attractive to people who are points collectors. And so they've done a lot of work to make this a really competitive loyalty program. And in fact, they're probably doing a lot better than most other airlines around the world in that space. With the Aeroplan program, redemptions under the current award charts are generally very good value. Air Canada uses a hybrid award chart, so they have, uh, I guess, region-based uh, redemptions. But then, so there's four. They've split up the world into four different regions, and then they have award charts f- um, based on distance for travel either within a particular region or between two regions. Um, and then the price is so the price is based on the region you're traveling within or to and from, and then the total distance traveled within that uh, within that zone. Um, and the award reading rules are quite generous. So you can travel, for example, from Australia to North America via Europe or via the Middle East, and it's just treated as an award from Australia to North America with the appropriate number of miles charged. Um, it's So it's, it's very good value. You can also add a stopover for 5,000 points on most award tickets. So, for example, if you wanted to fly from Sydney to New York uh, via Abu Dhabi flying Etihad, which is a partner of Air Canada, you could stop over in Abu Dhabi for a few days or a week in uh, for an ex- just an extra 5,000 points, which is something that not many programs will let you do anymore. And probably the main reason, though, that Air Canada has got such a good program is that there are so many useful partnerships. So Air Canada, uh, for those who aren't aware, is a member of Star Alliance. So Star Alliance is uh, the largest uh, of the three global alliances by the number of member airlines. And that includes airlines like, obviously, Air Canada, but also United, Air New Zealand, Lufthansa, Singapore Airlines, Thai Airways, Swiss, Ethiopian Airlines, uh, Asiana, which flies to Australia, Air India, and and so on. Uh, But on top of that, Air Canada has around 20 other um, airlines which are not part of Star Alliance, which you can earn and redeem your aeroplane points with. And you can combine flights on any partner airlines onto a single ticket and just pay the the one, you know, the price of one of a one-way redemption or a return redemption. So for example, Virgin Australia is also a partner of Aeroplan, 
And if you wanted to fly to Europe from somewhere like Hobart, for, for example, you could fly from Hobart to Melbourne on our Virgin Australia, then connect from Melbourne to Bangkok to Copenhagen on Thai Airways, and then from Copenhagen to London on Scandinavian Airlines, for example. And you just pay the cost of a, of a redemption from Hobart to London. None of this, um, you know, paying extra because you've got more than one flight or different, air, you know, combining different airlines, which is how it works with, with a lot of other frequent flyer programs. Um, so with Aeroplan, yeah, they, their partners, which are not part of Star Alliance, include, as I said, Virgin Australia and also Etihad. But you've also got some uh, quite interesting ones which are not affiliated with any of the three global alliances and therefore quite hard to um, access their award seats using other uh, frequent flyer point currencies which are accessible to Australians. So, for example, they partner with Air Mauritius, which means you can redeem aeroplane points to fly from Perth to Mauritius, where there's often two business class seats on their A33900 Nero flights, which runs twice a week. There's also Air Serbia, Aeromar, which is a regional airline based in Mexico, Air Dolomiti, a regional airline flying between Germany and Italy, there's Azul, which is a, a, a very good Brazilian airline. There's um, Eurowings and Eurowings Discover, which are the low-cost uh, arms of the Lufthansa Group based in Germany and flying around Europe. And also a lot of routes between um, Europe and the Caribbean and North America. There's Gol Airlines based in Brazil, Gulf Air in Bahrain, Junyao Airlines, Olympic Air, which is a regional airline in Greece, a part, um, owned by Aegean, I believe. There's Oman Air, which is going to be joining One World in 2024, I believe, based in Muscat. They have a very good business class product and um, they have quite a lot of flights between Asia and the Middle East and also the Middle East and Europe, which you can connect on uh, through, through Muscat. And they have quite good business class availability. Uh, and there's also Vistara, an airline based in India and, and various Canadian regional airlines. So there's a lot of choice when it comes. And because there's so many options of um, airlines that you can use when you're redeeming flights, you can often find availability through Aeroplan where you might not through other frequent flyer programs like Qantas Frequent Flyer or Velocity, um, just because they have so many different partnerships. But that's not all. Um, Aeroplan is uh, still not finished adding new partners. And uh, earlier this month, they added uh, two new ones as well. So one of them was Sun Express, which is a low-cost airline which specializes in flying from Europe to holiday destinations in Turkey. And that's a joint venture between Lufthansa and Turkish Airlines. So you can redeem now your Aeroplan points for flights with Sun Express in economy. Uh, but perhaps more interesting to Australians is Aeroplans just this week started a partnership with Bamboo Airways, which is a relatively new airline based in Vietnam. Bamboo Airways is a really interesting partnership because they have flights from Sydney to Ho Chi Minh City, as well as Melbourne to Ho Chi Minh City and Melbourne to Hanoi. And there's generally four economy and four business class award seats available on most of those flights, which you can book using aeroplan points. So in economy class, one way, it would be 25,000 aeroplan points and 127 Canadian dollars in taxes, uh, for example, from Sydney to Ho Chi Minh City. And in business class, it would be 45,000 aeroplan points, one way plus 127 Canadian dollars in taxes, which works out, I think, at the current exchange rate to be about 140 Australian dollars in taxes. Um, that's really good value. And so obviously for a round trip, then you double that. It would be 50,000 points in economy or more interestingly, <laughs> 90,000 aeroplan points for business class round trip Australia to Vietnam. Um, Bamboo Airways also flies to Europe. So you could fly, for example, all the way through to Frankfurt or London Gatwick 
using um, using aeroplane points on Bamboo Airways. On the way over to Europe, the connection times can be quite long depending on where you're going. Um, but coming back, it's they're reasonably good. Um, just a few hours in Vietnam. And um, that works out to be 110,000 aeroplane points one way in business or to obviously double that for round trip tickets. So 220,000 points. And if you wanted to stop over in Vietnam in one direction or both, it's just an extra 5,000 points um, per stopover. So that that can work out to be pretty good value. Um, if you buy the aeroplane points during a sale, so Aeroplan uh, does sell their points. The full price is 35 Canadian dollars per thousand, um, but you don't have to pay full price. There are promotions every few months. The most recent one was 85% uh, bonus points, uh, but they have also had a couple of 100% bonus points offers this year. And um, I mean, I don't have a crystal ball, but I would guess that probably the next promotion will be about 100% bonus, and it will probably be around, uh, you know, the Cyber Monday or Black Friday sales at the end of this month, uh, if I was going to have a guess. I have no inside knowledge, that's just my guess, but um, the promotions have been pretty regular nonetheless, so um, keep an eye out for the next one. Now, at 100% bonus points, I did some maths. It would cost you 1,575 Canadian dollars to buy 90,000 aeroplane points. Now that's 1,788 Australian dollars at the current exchange rate. And that's enough points for a return business class ticket from Australia to Vietnam on Bamboo Airways. Once you add on the taxes, and there is no fuel surcharges when you redeem aeroplane points on any airline. However, there is a $39 partner booking fee if your ticket includes airlines other than Air Canada. So once you add on the taxes and the $39 booking fee, you're looking at around about $2,000 per return ticket from Australia to Vietnam in Bamboo Airways business class. And Bamboo Airways flies uh, on their Australian and their European routes. They fly Boeing 787s, modern aircraft with live flat business seats, one-to-one layout and, and good food and good service. So that's a pretty good deal if you're looking for a cheaper way to get to Vietnam or to anywhere else in Asia. You can also connect onwards to, else, to other places um, in business class. Now, I did the maths for Australia to Europe, so that's 220,000 aeroplane points round trip in business class. At a 100% bonus, that works out to be a cost of 3,850 Canadian dollars to buy 220,000 aeroplane points, which is approximately at the current exchange rate 4,370 Australian dollars um, to buy the points and then a couple of hundred dollars in taxes, so just over $4,500, which is... uh, Still a pretty good deal. Um, you might be able to get a just as good a deal, to be honest, by buying points to uh, fly to Vietnam and then just buying a cash fare onwards from Vietnam to Europe and back. Um, but it's still quite a good deal. And then at least you have the convenience of one ticket all the way through from Australia to Europe. Um, by comparison, Qantas business class to Europe is about $9,000 at the moment. So that's about half the price of, uh, of Qantas business class. Uh, you don't just have to use Bamboo Airways. You can, of course, um, it's you know, the pricing works out to be the same with any of Aeroplan's partner airlines. So, for example, for 90,000 Aeroplan points, you could re- uh, fly uh, Thai Airways return from Sydney or Melbourne to Bangkok, and the cost equation works out to be about the same and certainly a lot cheaper than buying a, a full-price cash fare. Now, currently buying Aeroplan points is probably the main way that you can earn them in Australia. You can, of course, also earn Aeroplan points for flying on Virgin Australia or any of their partner airlines across the Star Alliance as well. But that doesn't really work out to be the most um, effective way to earn lots of points, you know, enough to book a ticket to Europe, for example. 
The good news, though, is that there soon will be another way. Next Tuesday, HSBC and Star Alliance are launching a Star Alliance credit card in Australia. This will be the first Alliance-branded credit card anywhere in the world, and it's interesting for quite a few reasons. Now, with this credit card, you will be able to earn Star Alliance points, which you can then transfer onwards to seven different Star Alliance airlines, as you wish, including Air Canada. Uh, But with this card, you can also earn Star Alliance silver or gold status. So what we're expecting is that in the first year, you'll be able to get this card without paying an annual fee, uh, which is normally $450 in subsequent years. And as a welcome bonus, instead of earning bonus points, you'll be able to get Star Alliance gold status for a year by spending $4,000 within 90 days of opening the card. And then on an ongoing basis, if you spend at least $30,000 in eligible transactions on the card within your qualification year, which is based on when you apply for the card, you'll get Star Alliance silver status with an airline of your choice. You'll get seven airlines to choose from. And if you spend $60,000 in a year, each year you'll get Star Alliance gold status. And that status will remain valid as long as you keep meeting the spend requirements or until you cancel the credit card. When you sign up, you'll have a choice of nominating one of seven status airlines is what they're calling it. So these are the airlines participating in the Star Alliance Rewards Program, which is associated with the credit card. And those airlines are Air Canada, Air New Zealand, Eva Air, uh, Singapore Airlines, South African Airways, Thai Airways, or United Airlines. And Chris, so Singapore Airlines, Chris Flyer and United, Mileage Plus, they both partner with Virgin Australia. So you can get reciprocal status benefits with those um, if you have status with either of those airlines when flying with uh, Virgin Australia as well. So quite interesting f- for Australians. In terms of earning points though, how it's expected to work is that you would earn one Star Alliance point per dollar spent on the card up to a cap of $3,000 per month. And then any amount you spend in a month over $3,000, you'll earn half a Star Alliance point per dollar. And you'll then be able to transfer those out to those seven airlines that I just mentioned to their frequent flyer programs at generally a rate of uh, 1,000 Star Alliance points to 800 airline miles. There's a different amount for Air New Zealand air points because that's a different uh, loyalty program currency. With Air New Zealand, it's you need 1,250 Star Alliance points, so 1,250 to get 10 air points dollars. But with uh, Aeroplan, for example, for every 1,000 Star Alliance points you earn, you get 800 Aeroplan points if you choose to transfer them out, which means basically the earning 0.8 Aeroplan points per dollar spent on your card up to the first 3,000 a month, and then 0.4 Aeroplan points on any subsequent amount over $3,000 spent on a month. But you don't just have to um, just uh, transfer them into Aeroplan, or you, know, you don't have to choose an airline straight away. You can accumulate Star Alliance uh, points in your, it'll be a Star Alliance reward account is what I think they're calling it. And then you can choose to transfer them out to Aeroplan or to other programs like Chris Fly or United uh, as you need them. So that's a really valuable currency because it gives you access to a lot of options which are not otherwise currently accessible using points that you can earn easily on a credit card in Australia, such as Bamboo Airways. And if you'd like to learn any more about Aeroplan, as well as its many partner airlines and how to maximize your Aeroplan points in Australia... I'll be hosting a webinar for Frequent Flyer Solutions about Air Canada Aeroplan at 8pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time on Wednesday the 23rd of November, which is the week after next. To learn more about this webinar or to register, visit frequentflyer.com.au or click on the link in the episode show notes. 
If you do your shopping at Coles every week, or you just go to Woolies every week and you spend around the same amount of money, you may be collecting flybys points at Coles or everyday rewards points at Woolworths, but the chances are you're not really maximizing them and you're not going to get a lot of value for your points. And there's a good reason for this. Well, it's not a good reason, but it's logical. With the flybys and everyday rewards loyalty programs, yes, they say that they're designed to reward loyal shoppers, but what they really reward is disloyalty. If you think about it, when you're spending at Coles, you're earning one flybys point per dollar, which you can transfer to, which is worth half a velocity point if you transfer over to Virgin Australia. And the same at Woolworths, you can earn one everyday rewards point per dollar. And once you earn 2,000 everyday rewards points, you can use that to get $10 off your shop, or you can have them converted to 1,000 Qantas points. So you're effectively earning half a velocity point or half a Qantas point per dollar at the supermarket. But the real value is in the bonus offers. For example, Flybys regularly sends out offers, which are things like um, spend $100 a week for two weeks and we'll give you 6,000 Flybys points, or spend $200 a week for four weeks and we'll give you 20,000 Flybys points even. Um, and then there's different uh, bonuses based on you know spending in different categories or for buying different products. Um, and over at Woolworths, it's a similar sort of thing. They have boosts, boosters, they call them. So they will send out boosters on individual products each week and also offers like, you know, for example, spend $100 and we'll give you 3,000 bonus points, that kind of thing. When you're taking advantage of those offers on a large scale, you can earn way, way, way more points than you'll just get for your base points, you know, your one point per dollar on your shop. Now, here's the trick. These targeted offers, the ones that are really lucrative, are sent out to people mainly in order to encourage them to spend more or, and this is crucial, if the supermarket thinks that you're being disloyal. So if you're just, you know, if you shop at Coles every week or twice a week and uh, you're pretty much consistently spending the same amount of money every week, then there's no real incentive for flybys to send you generous offers because um, they're wasted on you. You're going to be shopping there anyway. And so why why would they give you a, a generous incentive which costs them money to provide if it's not going to um, if it's not going to make you spend marginally that much more money? They might send you an offer which encourages you to, encourages you to spend more than you usually do. But if you're normally you know shopping uh, for your family and spending a few hundred dollars a week. Um, it's not necessarily like it's it's extra money that you might have to spend, which you're not going to be really spending anyway. So um, it's it's not as not as lucrative. Now, if you split your shop though between Coles and Woolworths, then each of the supermarkets thinks that you spend only half of what you normally do. So an offer of bonus points might be for a, you know a spend target which is actually quite close to or less than what you normally spend anyway. So you don't have to go out of your way to spend more in order to get those bonus points. Just shop at Coles that week instead of Woolworths or shop at Woolworths instead of Coles. Um, and what I, what I find is that if I haven't shopped at Coles for a while, the offers get better and better because they think that they've lost me as a customer and they're going to send me some, you know, quite lucrative, juicy offers to try and track me back. And it's the same the other way around. If I don't shop at Woolies for a while, the they send offers which get, to be honest, increasingly desperate. It was kind of funny. I was overseas for more than four months this year. And after a week of being overseas, obviously during that time, I didn't shop at Coles or Woolworths at all because I wasn't in Australia. But after a week, they started sending some, you know, quite reasonable offers. After a month or two months, the offers just got increasingly desperate. And at some point I was even getting offers like come in and just make any purchase and we'll give you 3000 points, um, even if it's a purchase for one one cent. <laughs> Um, you know, things like that, like the offers um, get got better and better over time. So 
What's the lesson for this? So number one, um, the real value in flybys and everyday rewards is in the targeted offers. The base points are nice, but the targeted offers are the real sweet spot. And how do you get better targeted offers? Well, there's a few tips which um, I've posted on AFF. Um, one of them is like really basic. Just make sure you've opted in to getting email communications and check the offers in you know in your email or in your flybys or everyday rewards app and make sure you activate them before your shop. So just make sure, number one, that you're getting the offers. Um, the second tip is if you've got more than one person in your household, get everyone to have their own card and don't link them. That way, you know, if... Um, if uh, your, you know, someone in your family has a better offer than you do in a particular week, you can scan their card instead of yours and take advantage of the offer. So you can basically, not only can you um, get flybys and everyday rewards to compete on offers, but you can increase the chances of getting a good offer by using different cards in your household. The third tip is to spend less per transaction. So because a lot of the offers are designed to make you spend a little bit more than you previously did, you know, after all, they're designed to get you back into the supermarket and to spend more, limit the amount of, uh, you know, the number of dollars that you put through in a single transaction. So that could mean that you're doing more frequent but smaller shops. So like doing half your shopping at Coles and half at Woolworths one week. I know that can be inconvenient depending on where you live. If you if you don't have a Coles and a Woolworths uh, next to each other in your, in your suburb or in your city, that's obviously a bit of a pain. But even you could do things like splitting up your transactions and, you know, scanning half the groceries, paying and then scanning the other half. And um, if you, in fact, if you scan the other half of the groceries and don't scan your card and then, then pay cash as well so that the supermarket can't link your credit card that you used to your account so it doesn't know that it was you, then it thinks you're spending about half of what you're doing. And yes, you'll forego a few points, the base points on that uh, on that transaction, but you might get a really good offer next week, which is worth 20 times the points that you, you um, didn't get for that, you know, for that extra spend, if that makes sense. If you're finding that the offers are quite bad, just try not scanning your card for a while. And that's when you start getting the we miss you kind of offers. And if you do those things, you can get a lot more um, a lot more bang for your buck with those loyalty programs. I mean, I literally last year, I earned about 200,000 flybys points just for shopping at Coles by taking absolute full advantage of those bonus offers. And I most certainly did not spend $200,000 at Coles last year, far from it. So by taking advantage of those offers and shopping cleverly and being careful about where and when you're scanning your cards, you can really uh, maximize the benefits. And of course, you can then transfer those points over to Velocity or Qantas and use them for flights if you so wish. Uh, even if you don't want to use them for flights, though, you can get quite a lot of savings just by taking advantage of the $10 saving at the disc, uh, at the checkout if you choose to use your 2,000 points for a $10 saving rather than converting them over to frequent flyer points. So either way, it's definitely worth doing if you're shopping regularly at Coles and Woolies. Well, that's all for this episode of AFF On Air. Thanks very much for listening. For more information about anything discussed in today's episode, check out the episode notes. Here you'll also find a link to the AFF on Air discussion thread on the Australian Frequent Flyer Forum, where you're welcome to discuss the podcast or ask me a question to be answered in a future episode. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I'd really appreciate if you'd take just a minute to review AFF on Air on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe on your favourite podcasting platform to receive every episode as soon as it's released. I'm Matt Graham and I'll be back next fortnight with more news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers. And until then, safe travels.